This morning we're wrapping up for real the series entitled Charge. I told you last Sunday we were wrapping it up, but we are going to do it today. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 17. This is a prayer. Matter of fact, this entire chapter is a prayer that uh, Jesus prayed. Many people refer to it as the high priestly prayer, but Jesus is praying for himself, and he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers, those that were yet going to hear and, and come to faith in Jesus. So you've been prayed for by Jesus. Isn't that good news? Do you think Jesus gets his prayers answered? <laughs> if he's not getting his prayers answered, we're in trouble. But the good news is, is he prayed for us even before we were born. But he prayed that, you know, he prayed that we would be one even as he and the Father are one. And he, would pray that, he prayed that we would be effective and, and influential in the world and so forth. And so know that you've been prayed for. Even though you're in the world, you're not of the world. And you're protected from the world, though you're in the world. So all those, you're, you're covered in every area. So we want to look at a portion of this prayer. Obviously, we're not going to cover the entire chapter, but I'm going to cover the portion that has to do with, a, a, it ties in with the commission of being charged to go, the, the charge of going into all the world and, and proclaim, proclaiming the gospel. So in John chapter 17, we'll pick up, at, uh, uh, in this prayer, we're going to pick up at verse 14. I'll read through verse 23. John 17, beginning at verse 14. This is uh, Jesus praying unto the Father. And he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So do you believe in Jesus this morning? Yes. Right here, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for you. Says in, in verse 21, it says, that they, may, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them as you have loved me. So, the series has been titled charged. We have been charged by Jesus. We looked in Acts chapter 1, beginning of verses 4 through 8, where Jesus commanded the disciples to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait until they received the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. So that they received the charge to wait till you receive the power. Then we noticed in Mark chapter 16 how what we referred to as the Great Commission. He says, for the church is to go into all the world and, and to present the gospel, to proclaim Jesus, the good news of God's grace, to every creature. 
And those that would believe, those who believe would be saved, and those who do not believe would be condemned. We talked about that condemnation last Sunday morning, that there's an eternal hell to shun, and there's a heaven to gain through, through receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we need to be uh, cognizant of that and, and, and allow that reality of an eternal separation from God, a place of damnation being the eternal destiny of those who reject Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we need to be mindful of that and, and allow that to inspire us to be bold in our witness and sharing the, the, the gospel with those that God leads us into. And so uh, in order for us as individuals and as well as collectively as Grace Church to, to achieve our redemptive potential that we have here in Berks and beyond, it's important that, that we rise up, that we wake up to the call that God has placed upon us, that we have ourselves, uh, we accept the charge to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, accept the charge to go into all the world, and to become a person of influence. Everyone say the word influence. See, when you're charged, you, you're going to be an influence to those around you. When, when, when batteries are charged, they, they influence whatever it is that they're, they're, they're supposed to be doing. But when a battery doesn't have any charge in it, it's not much of an influence. You know, it's not much good when you go to check your phone or your, uh, your tablet or whatever. And, you know, it, it won't power up because the battery's dead. You know, that's not much going on in, in that situation. And likewise, in our spirits, if our spirits are not charged, if we're not spending time in, in, with God and, and, and meditating the scriptures and just being with him and having our batteries charged, we're not going to be very much of an influence. We're not going to make much impact in reaching a lost and dying world. And so we are called to be a people of influence. The word influence from the Webster's Dictionary actually means the, the power to affect others. The power to affect others. It's the power to produce effects because of position or ability. And so we recognize that we have been called into the world. Jesus prayed that we would uh, be in the world but not of the world. And, and in knowing that we've been called to go into all the world, we also need to recognize that the world system that we have been called into is relentless in its, in its efforts on influencing us into their government. Are you following me? The world system is relentless in its efforts in influencing us to conform to the world system. The pressure is intense. The temptations are everywhere we look, everywhere we turn. There's, there's trials, there's temptations. There, there is relentless pressures and, and, and uh, boldness and arrogance out there in trying to get believers those of the Christian faith to conform to the world system, to, to water down our faith or to even walk away from our faith and just come to a place where we just completely give up on it. But the good news is, like uh, Lindsay mentioned a few weeks ago, she said we, it's important that we develop a white-hot faith, a white-hot faith in God. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we are told in the Word of God that the faith, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world, meaning the world system. So it's your white-hot faith that you have in your God, that we have in our God. It's our faith that causes us to have the victory over the world system. It's not isolationism that gives you the victory. It's your faith that gives you the victory. 
It's a big difference. It's a big difference. When we're talking about the world, you don't want to just automatically think, well, I need to isolate myself from the world. I need to protect myself from the world because that is so polar opposite of what Jesus prayed over us and commissioned us into. His desire for us, Jesus' desire for us, according to his prayer that he prayed, his desire for us is that we, though we are different from the world, that we not be isolated from the world. Different from the world, but not isolated from the world. Notice in John 15, uh, excuse me, John 17 and verse 15, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In other words, we're going to remain in the world as long as, as long as we are on planet Earth. Until we exit earth and go into heaven, we're in this, we're on the earth, we're in the world system. We are in enemy territory. And we are here for a purpose, and that is to proclaim Jesus, to let our light shine in a lost and dying world. So we're in the world. Then in verse 16, verse 16, he said, they are not of the world. Everyone say, I'm not of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not of the world. Now remind your neighbor and yourself that, but we're in this world. All right, so a big difference between being in it or being of it. We're in the world, but not of the world, but we've been sent into the world, even though Jesus said, I'm going to pray that, you know, that you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. Verse 16, they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So really the safest place for you to be is to be right in the middle of God's will. And that place where he has sent you, that place where he has planted you is the place you are assigned to be. So in the world, in verse 15, verse 16 says not of the world, but then look at verse 18 again. As you sent me into the world, how did God send Jesus into the world? Let's just reflect on that for a moment. How did God send Jesus into the world? He so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus. Jesus left heaven. He left his rightful position in heaven. All the glory and the beauty of heaven. He left that and he, took on the, and, and he took on the form of a man, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. That's how he was sent into the world. He was sent into this world with such love. He came into this world that while the world, while we were still in our sin, he came into our lives to redeem us. He didn't come into this world to become a part of the world. But he came into the world that those in the world might receive him. And those that receive him are not just taken out of the world. You know, the other, in other words, uh, it, it's, uh, there I said that word. I told you I wasn't going to say it anymore. Every time you hear me say that, you shout out a big whatever. Just <laughs> something. 
he was not going to come in here and have us be born again and immediately have us exit the earth and go to heaven. That would make evangelism just a little bit tougher, wouldn't it? <laughs> or I guess it wouldn't because we wouldn't be here to evangelize. But we need to realize and recognize that we are here to be born again, but to remain in the world to share the good news with other people. In the world, not of the world. And verse 18 says, sent into the world, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Them is referring to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So just as Jesus was sent into the world, you and I have been sent into the world. We have been charged with a charge, with a commission to go into the world and to influence the world with the good news of God's grace. That's our commission. That's our charge, sent into the world. And then in verse 21 says, that the world may believe, that they may believe, and in verse 23, it says that the, uh, in the world, that the world may know that you have loved them. Notice we are here so that the people who are not yet born again would come to a place where they would surrender and they would say, yes, I believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe in that redemption story. I receive him into my life. I now recognize that God loves me. Because I see the love between you and the brethren. I see the love between God and Jesus. I see this love. It is manifested. So you can readily see by reading this prayer and meditating on this prayer that Jesus prayed, we have a few things that we need to work on. There's some prayers here that are being worked on in order to come to the fullness of the manif manifestation. And so continue to work on your love life, on loving God, loving other people, learning to love yourself and learning to love other people as, as God loved Jesus and as Jesus loved us and as we love one another that the people of the world are coming to a place where they can say, yes, I believe. I believe there's a big difference. There's a stark contrast between the church, between the body of Christ and this world system. There's supposed to be a stark difference. We're supposed to be different, but not because we dress different or we walk different or we do, you know, we do cultural things different, but because we believe different and we love one another. Just loving one another in itself would be different enough to cause a massive revival and usher us right into the rapture. But this assignment and this prayer that Jesus prayed over us and for us and this charge that we have, I'm not up here this morning telling you that it's, that it's easy. We still live in the flesh. That in itself is a piece of work. But in addition to that, the opposition from the world, it's very intense and becoming even greater. Peer pressure of the world system affects all of us at every age, whether it's children in elementary school, middle school, junior high, high school, college, young adults, a little bit older adults, and then older and older adults. It makes no difference. Peer pressure is peer pressure, and it affects all of us. 
and we all wrestle with it, and we need to recognize it for what it is and, and to take it to the Lord in prayer and to, and, and to stay the course of doing what we have been called to do and what our assignment is and, and, and focus on our assignment and not allow peer pressure of other people, other things to uh, take, us out of our, take us out of the race that God has placed us in. So there's an intense pressure to conform to the world. And it can be exhausting. It can be emotionally exhausting. It can be financially exhausting. It can be, and it's spiritually exhausting to try to, uh, to keep up with the world system, to try to keep up with, uh, I say, the world system, even among the church. You know, we, we, we get caught up in trying to keep up with one another and, and, and just allow this intense pressure to conform us to doing things that we haven't even been called to do. It takes us completely out of our giftings, and we get so confused, we try to be someone else's gift, and then someone tries to be our gift. You know, let's come to a place where we accept God, accept Jesus' love for us, and, and accept who he has called us to be and do what he has called us to do. Intense peer pressure. In Daniel chapter 3, there's a story of three guys. It was Daniel and his friends had been handpicked to be leaders in the Babylonian Empire. They were Jewish men that were chosen, to, and, and they were being groomed to, to be leaders and to be servants of, of the king in the Babylonian Empire. And King Neb <laughs> decided to build himself a golden image of himself a golden image, and he made a decree that at certain times when all this music is being played, that everyone in the province is to bow down and to worship the golden image. And so this was all, you know, pomp and circumstance, and this was all, this was all just great stuff going on. However, these Jewish men that were being groomed to be serving the king had a faith in God. Everyone say faith in God. So they had a faith in God, but they were in a foreign land. They were under a foreign worldly government, but they had faith in God. That's a picture of you and I. We have faith in God, but we're in hostile territory. And there are great demands placed upon us from this world system for us to bow down and to worship the golden images of this world system. And there are multiple demands, innumerous demands to bow down and to, to be within the world system, to conform. So these guys are caught in a vice of circumstance, then they're being called to conformity of the world system under the, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And it continues with these men demonstrating a faith, uh, a white-hot faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world. So they are demonstrating a white-hot faith which determines to become influential within the system without being influenced by the system. 
In other words, our faith in Jesus, your faith in Jesus, we should be determining to become influential within our spheres of influence rather, and, and making sure that we're influential for the kingdom of God and not being influenced by the world system. While the majority in the system are bowing down to the image, these men are refusing to bow to the standard, to the norms, to the cultural norms. Likewise, you and I, as born-again Christians, we have been charged to be separate, to be different from the world. Even though we're in the world, we are to be influential in the world, but not to be influenced by the world, and we are to refuse the pressure that the world is bringing upon us, knowing we are to know that the call to bow to the world system is very different from the call to serve within the system. The call to bow to the world system is very different from the call to serve within the system. The world system is a setup. When you read Daniel chapter 3, you'll notice, you know, it's 30, I think it's 30-some verses. And about eight of those verses, at, at the end of the verse, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up the golden image, which they had set up. You'll read about eight times. About a third of the verses have to do with it's a setup, meaning what I get from that when I read that is that the world system is a setup. It's set up to trip you up to draw you in, to influence you. But it's a setup. But you don't have to bow to it. But you don't have to run from it. But you don't need to bow to it. You can stay in the system and influence the system, but not be influenced by the system. That's our charge. That's our charge. And the world system is relentless in its efforts to reduce you and I to reduce our view of our self-worth, reducing our view of our self-worth to our ability to succeed only on its terms. It is constantly trying to say, if you're going to succeed, you have to do it on our terms. If you don't bow to our terms, if you don't yield to the worldly terms, you'll not be successful. You'll not make the team. You'll not, you'll, 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 you won't be a standout. So if you want to be successful, conform to the world. That's polar opposite of what the Word of God teaching and the truth of God's Word. And as we were worshiping today, we kept confessing, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. Speak truth to us and keep that posture at all times. Lord, speak truth to me. There's so much uh, peer pressure. There's so much peer pressure and, and so much influence of the world system trying to get me to compromise. And, and some of it just looks almost like it looks like the right thing, but it doesn't, I sense it's not the right thing, but I'm not sure if it's the right thing. Well, you know, wisdom, wisdom from heaven. Here's a verse in, in James chapter 3. I'm going to mind if I digress just for a moment. In James chapter 3, tells us, gives you the contrast between worldly wisdom and wisdom from heaven. 
And I use this many times in my decision-making processes because the wisdom from heaven is, you know, it's filled with strife and anger and bitterness and resentment, but the wisdom, did I say the wisdom from heaven? <laughs> and something didn't sound right there. The wisdom of the world is filled with strife and bitterness and envy and backbiting and so forth. But then it says, but the wisdom from heaven is gentle, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's without partiality. And if you want to know if it's wisdom's, heaven's wisdom or not, here's the, here's the main one. It's willing to yield. Heaven's wisdom is willing to yield. Are you willing to yield? It's heaven's wisdom. Are you willing to say, yes, I'll go the way of the word. I'll go the way of truth. That's heaven's wisdom. So that's a freebie. We won't charge you for that. It's found in James chapter 3. Read it for yourself. It'll bless you. So these uh, three guys in, in the book of Daniel, why don't we turn there? I think some things in there, a couple of verses will point out. Daniel chapter 3. These three guys are refusing to bow, uh, knowing that their refusal is going to bring intense fire upon their heads, but nonetheless, they are, they're refusing to do that. But uh, right in the middle of their, of their fiery circumstances, you know, when you read the story, you'll find out that right in the middle of it, you know, they ended up getting thrown into a fiery furnace. That was the penalty for not bowing down to the system. They said, if you don't bow, you're going to get thrown into the furnace. And so word came back to the king that uh, these Hebrew uh, guys were not bowing down, and he was in a rage, and he gave them one more chance to repent and to bow to the world system. Uh, in verse 14, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the, the psaltery, and the cymbals with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So that's their final warning. That's peer pressure. That's the pressure of the world coming down on your head. And it's intense. But listen to what the reply is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. You talk about accepting a charge to walk with the Lord, your God, and not to bow down nor to serve any other God. These guys had it. And that's the charge to you and I today is we need to become so rock solid in such a white hot faith that no matter how intense the peer pressure of this world system is, no matter how great the threat, no matter how high of authority is threatening you, you are serving the Lord your God and him only will you serve. You are in this world system, but you're not influenced by the world. Rather, you are in it and you are influencing the system. And that's exactly what happened. They got thrown into the furnace, and when they got thrown in, and Jesus shows up, 
Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace expecting these guys to be toast, but rather they're all four in there and they're loose in the fire and they're not burned, their hair's not singed, they don't smell like smoke. The fourth man showed up. The fourth man is Jesus. He protected them. Jesus has promised to be with you. He would never leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what fiery trials you get thrown into, you stay faithful to the Lord your God. Jesus said he'll never leave you. He'll bring you through it with every trial, with every test, with every temptation, there is a way of escape, and you can trust him in that. But you stay true to the Lord your God, and you're not going to bow down and worship this world system. You're not going to do it. You are charged. You are ready for anything that is thrown at you. Anything that's thrown at you. When you refuse, as these men refuse, as you resist the world system influencing you, but serve within the system. You become a shaper of the thinking in the realm which could not influence you. Let me give that to you again. When you refuse, resist the world system influencing you, you serve, but serve within the system you become a shaper of the thinking in the realm which could not influence you. The truth of God's word within you, incarnated in your commitment to its moral and its spiritual demands. You know, as you're committed to the word of God. When you're committed to God's word, to its moral and its spiritual demands, God's word in you will outlast any attempt of worldly influence. And these three men that were thrown into the furnace, they did more than survive. They actually impacted and influenced the system that was hell-bent on stamping its image upon them. Likewise today, the world system is hell-bent on influencing you to stamp its image upon you, to get you to conform to the world image, to, to suspend, to drop your moral and your spiritual morality convictions and just put it all to the side and say, what, what is okay for you is okay for you. What's okay for me is okay for me. Just, you know, just, there's no standards. There's no moral principles anymore. Just put it all aside when you do that. But I want you to know that even though that's the pressure, you can do more than survive. You will actually influence the system. You will actually influence the system that is trying to influence you, to stamp its image upon you. Now, what are some ways that you can influence the system? What are some arenas that you can influence the system? Let me begin, first of all, with the youngest that are in here, whether it be elementary, middle school, junior high, or high school, or college, or young adults, or adults. Seniors, you all have the ability to influence within your spheres of influence. You can be influencing in your middle school classrooms, in your senior or junior high class, or whether it be in college. You can be influential as you stay true to the Word of God. Teachers in the classrooms, have an awesome opportunity to be influential in a system that brings intense pressure for you to conform to the worldly way of instructing and teaching. 
in the midst of all that, God will grace you with great wisdom and insight and creative ways that you can be a positive influence for the kingdom of heaven. Businessmen and women, governing your business with godly principles is a way to influence your spheres of influence. If you're in law enforcement, you have tremendous opportunity, tremendous opportunity to influence people with the love of God. Whether you be a first responder, you may be in local, state, or national government, a tremendous mission field in desperate, dire need of positive influence. The medical field, the entire medical field, a tremendous opportunity to influence people, to bring hope into people's lives that feel like there is no hope. All kinds of social service jobs that people are engaged in. Lots of opportunities to be a positive, to influence the system. Adoption is a great way to be a positive influence on someone who otherwise may never be influenced by the love of God, never experienced the love of God. Foster parenting, very similar. The military, purposing to have a godly marriage, purposing to be godly parents. These are all positive ways. These are all arenas where we can, where we can concentrate on, on being a positive influence on a system that is so desperately trying to get us to conform to, their, to, to its system. But we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're going to yield and we're going to receive Jesus' prayer in John 17 and we're going to receive that into our lives. Amen. Amen. Now Nebuchadnezzar here, he, you know, he, he became convinced that the God of these Jewish men was the God that now needed to be worshipped and he made a decree and this is a perfect example who's someone that's full of zeal full of ambition and used to being in charge. And now they accepted Jesus, but their mind is not yet renewed. <laughs> All right? So let me share this with you. So he makes this decree in uh, verse 28. He spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Verse 29, therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so far, so good. <laughs> Goes downhill real quick here. This is someone who just got born again, just, just, just made a decision that yes, God is pretty cool, but hasn't had their lives transformed yet. So anybody who goes against this, you know, matter of fact, we're going to cut you in pieces and we're going to burn your house down. <laughs> we're going to cut you in pieces. We're going to burn your house down. I don't suggest you go out today thinking, okay, I'm charged with sharing the good news of the gospel and whoever gives me a hard time, we're going to cut you in pieces and we're going to burn your house down. <laughs> I suggest we refrain from that, cutting people in pieces who oppose us, burning down their houses, I suggest, I suggest that though we are in the world, we are not of the world. 
but we are in the world to influence the world with the love of God. That's our charge. That's our charge. You say, Pastor Ray, you gave all these places where you can influence people, where you can influence people. You didn't say anything about the church. You didn't say anything about working in church. <laughs> you want to lose your faith. <laughs> Work in a Christian institution. <laughs> that is not the answer. I, I say that jokingly because it's not the answer because some people think, oh, if I could just leave my place of employment, get out of this ungodly environment, I could work for this Christian school, I could work for this church, I could work for this worldwide ministry here, I could do this, I could do that. Um, we're not all called to just being flocking together. We're called to be sent out to be influencers in a lost and dying world. Amen? So right where you're planted, you have a gift, you have a calling, you have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence. Accept it. Are you ready? Why don't you stand up? I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to give you a charge. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for the prayer that Jesus prayed over us even before we were born. Father, I prayed over us today again, and I prayed over this congregation here known as Grace Church, over every individual represented here today, that, Father God, that though we are in this world, we are not of the world, but we recognize today that we are sent into the world. We receive that as our charge in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive this as your charge this morning. You are sent into your spheres of influence. That is your commission. That is your charge. And, and it, you're sent into your sphere of influence that your sphere of influence may believe, may believe on the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you and I praise you as we are charged and commissioned to go into our sphere of influence. We are not being influenced by this sphere, but Lord God, we are influencers of this sphere in Jesus' name, name above all names. I thank you for great grace to rest upon all of us. I recognize that opposition is intense. The story here from Daniel, even the government was demanding things of them. We are fortunate that, that we don't have that type of uh, demands coming on us. Some places around the world do, and we pray for those, and we thank you and we praise you, Father, that in Jesus' name, whatever level of opposition, however intense it may be, whatever the peer pressure is that we wrestle with, it's different for each one of us. We, we, we are affected by different uh, sets of peer pressures. But Lord God, whatever it may be, it may, have, may it have no effect upon us that in, no matter how intense the pressure is to conform, that, Lord, it can be extremely exhausting and it, the pressure is intense, but I thank you for an even greater power and even greater influence and it's the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit of God giving us the power to be influencers, to be witnesses in all the world in Jesus' name, name above all names. Now, if you believe this, make this decree. Say, thank you, Lord. I believe that I have been charged to go into all the world, not to be of the world, 
not to be influenced by the world, but to influence the world with your love, with your grace, with your power, with your wisdom. In Jesus' name, I accept the charge. I accept the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill me right now to overflowing with the influence, the power, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, I yield to the Spirit's leading, to the Spirit's power, to the gifts of the Spirit. And I leave here today with a new determination to be a witness. I'm an influencer for the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, I accept the charge. Amen. Amen. The Lord your God be with you, grace you with great grace and wisdom and insight, boldness and confidence to do what he's laid upon your heart to do and where he sends you, you have the grace to do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Next week, we're going to start talking about hope, favorable, confident expectation. So come on back. If you have any prayer requests today, some people would love to meet you up here and pray with you. Other than that, you have a great day. Invite some friends with you next week. A few empty chairs. We want to see those full next week. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you soon.